Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Hope you had a great Labor Day weekend. We did. Good to be back with all of you, though. And here, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Extra spring in my step because today is the last day of this crippling heat that we've had. Get a good to actual late summer, early fall weather. Looking forward to that. Football is back, so I get my weekend Sabbaths where I get to basically uh, have be distracted. So I have to get into this and uh, all weekend long. And um, and we moved our first, our moved our our youngest daughter out over the weekend as well. So that was a bittersweet moment. It was kind of funny. People are like you never know. I mean, so it doesn't always work out right away. She may have to come back. And then I'm like, well, kind of. That would be kind of bittersweet, you know? I mean, like I didn't want her to go. I didn't want Zozo to go, but I don't want her to come back because that would probably mean something went wrong. You know what I'm trying to say? Like I didn't want her to go, but if she comes back, then something didn't go as planned. You know what I'm trying to say? Sure. So so that's almost like bittersweet as a dad. You're like, please don't go. And then, you know, you tell your friends, I'm a little sad she left. Well, she might come back. And you're like, like, I kind of hope that doesn't happen either. (laughs) You know, if she's going to go, I hope it works out great. Is the apartment nice? It's very nice. Good. It's very nice, and 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 they're her and her roommate, uh, the the girl she works with, uh, they're right by the pool, and that'll be right up Zoe's alley. It's a nice pool too, you know. It's like right over by a, where our old house was, originally, and Zoe left there when we were when she was a baby. So, um, but uh, we had quite the weekend. Went to a great wedding in the family as well. If you're going to do a fall wedding, well, a football season wedding, okay then it it better land. You know what I'm saying? Like if if we are interrupting football season for a wedding, man, it better land. Okay? And this wedding was great. I mean, it was great. What? You know how many guys are out there nodding their head in, affirm, in affirmation of what I just said? You're damn right it better land. Yeah, it's fall. It's football season. Get it's, married the other, you know, 40 weeks of the year. Yeah. The median time. As you can see, I'm, I'm rocking the Harvey Two-Face this morning. Uh, the median time to get married is September. Why? I don't know. I don't know. We, we, we do another another sign of the show, looming collapse of America, yeah. basically. Yes. <laughs> hey, we love to, whenever we get a new partner here on the show, we love to give them a prime time slot to introduce them to you. And that is the case with our friends over at Trust and Will. You know, we build up our lives with bright moments of joy and pride and success. However you define those moments, securing your future should be part of that journey. Traditional estate planning can cost, though, thousands of dollars. Not sure a lot of us have that just laying around here in the Let's Go Brandon era. One-size-fits-all templates may not capture all the important details of the life you've built either. So with Trust and Will, pardon me, you can protect your legacy from the comfort of your home starting at just $159. So my wife handles all this stuff for me. I had Amy take a look at this before we agreed to put them on the air and just go through it with you. we had, we had updated our own estate stuff in about 10 years and <clears throat> a lot of our thing you know we've got older kids now our financial situation's more secure than it was 10 years ago so you know we needed to update this stuff anyway we've been talking about it then lo and behold they come to us with trust and will let's make them our guinea pig let's see if they worked out she was blown away uh, by how well it worked 
how easy it was to work it, uh, and just how detailed uh, the process was. So she gives it, on behalf of the Dace family, a sterling recommendation. All right. So if you want to simplify the process of creating and managing your will and trust online, from finding out what's right for your family to finalizing documents with a notary, you can gain peace of mind today with Trust and Will and get 10% off plus free shipping of your estate plan documents by visiting Trust and Will, the, the word and, trustandwill.com slash Dace. That's 10% off and free shipping at trustandwill.com slash Dace. Again, trustandwill.com slash Dace. All right. Coming up on today's show, um, fake news or not, I am hitting you guys with something cold. I'm not even going to hint to you what it is. You must be excited because you texted us that you were going to do this. Someone, a little birdie of mine, alerted me to this over the weekend. And I'm like, there's no way that this is true. There's no way this happened. And I went and looked it up and it did. And so I have got to, I've got to find out, I got to get you guys as like instant reaction to what this is. All right. I'm not even going to try. I believe it's John Amonchu. I'm not even going to try. Do you know what I it is? I don't know either. I, tell, I texted we'll him and said, out. you got to make yeah. sure you clear that. Okay. And he said, no problem, man. All right. Because this dude, and I'm sensitive to people with tough to pronounce last names. I've been through that a few times myself, but this dude, man is a dude and he's a fan of the show yeah i mean i like we like this dude he even got me to buy a sweatshirt all right i, I he was where the first time i i was introduced to him he was wearing this god is greater than government hoodie i'm like i gotta get one of those so i did all right so he's gonna join us at the bottom of this hour uh and then for pop culture tuesday my son came in over the weekend uh to watch the michigan game with me and said hey did you know that Ahsoka was out? And I was like, it's out? Had no idea it was out. I didn't know it was out yet. What is that? I guess it's like they're, they're into episode five. And I don't I, even know what this is. You don't know what Ahsoka is? The no. series on Disney Plus about Ahsoka from the Clone Wars? I didn't even watch the Clone Wars. See, I just... I, I think we need to have a conversation about this. Okay. Sounds like progress, actually. <laughs> to the last. Bitter, angry, frustrated no. to the last. And you know what? We dig that about you. We're getting pretty soon we might actually be okay having weddings in the fall. <laughs> Probably not. No, I, I need my downtime. But hey, the wedding landed. It was a great wedding. Reception was great. Ton of great energy, great food, fun people. No complaints in the aftermath. I was complaining on the way out, okay? But in the aftermath, no complaints. Okay. All right. That'll do it uh, for the rundown. Let's get to actually what's going to happen by starting off with what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by this. And here it is. If you want to go out and get it, you can go out and get it. Have fun with it. But people do like it, I must say. Thank you very much. Moving on, on today's edition of Why Doesn't Every Republican Sound Like This? Here's Florida Governor Ron DeSantis responding to a question from a woke reporter about so-called climate change in the aftermath of Hurricane Idalia. Well, I think if you look, there was, the, there was a storm that went on this almost exact track in 1896. And it had 125 mile an hour winds just like this one. 
If you look at the state of Florida, the most powerful storm hurricane we've ever had is actually the anniversary is, is now. It's the Labor Day hurricane of 1935. It had 185-mile-an-hour sustained winds, the most powerful hurricane that's ever been uh, uh, made landfall in the state of Florida, probably in the United States. So I think that the notion that somehow uh, hurricanes are something new, that's just false. And, and we've got to stop politicizing the weather and stop politicizing natural disasters. We know from history, there have been times where it's been very busy in Florida, late 40s, early 50s. You had a lot of hits of significant hurricanes. So I think sometimes people need to take a breath and get a little bit of perspective here. But the notion that somehow if we just adopt, you know, very left-wing policies at the federal level, that somehow we will not have hurricanes, that is a lie. Tucker Carlson now says it was a mistake for Donald Trump to skip the GOP debate and thinks he's too old to be president. In an interview with Barstool Sports founder Dave Portnoy, Tucker made these comments. Like, I thought Trump should have done... I thought he should have done the debate. Yeah. Like, to me, if you're voting on the president, you want to hear him debate. He's brilliant. He's the best to ever play the political game. So to become president, I think it was the right move not to do it. But for the betterment of the country, I think you should be on the debate. I kind of agree. I, I like the, the debates, yeah. personally. I'm not a political person, but I feel like there's been a shift where internally, maybe the Democrats don't think he can win, and they're setting the stage to do somebody else. Uh, I think it's crazy if he's, I mean... To be honest, I think both Trump and Biden are too old. I, I think there should. I don't think you should be able to be that old and be president. Uh, but I think Trump certainly sees more. I agree 100%. More. Senator John Cornyn, who is in fact a worthless man, publicly complained on X over the Labor Day weekend that the federal government might shut down and everything we hate might not get funded. Quote, the federal government will shut down in less than a month unless a funding bill is passed by September 30th. That's only 16 legislative days away and even fewer for the House under the current schedule. The House and Senate are in completely different universes when it comes to how lawmakers should fund federal agencies in both the short and long term, end quote. Meanwhile, our friend Julie Kelly is reporting that House Speaker Kevin McCarthy's pledge to release all January 6th security footage has been broken, as McCarthy has capitulated to the DOJ and Capitol Police ahead of his anticipated capitulation to Democrats on the budget fight. So many capitulations, so hard to keep track. CNN, yes, CNN, challenged Anthony Fauci on the lack of efficacy of face masks to stop the spread of COVID. There is a perception out there by many, how many, I don't know, that they don't work and that the data concludes that they didn't work in the first go round. I'm going to refer to one of them. You've heard about it before. I heard about it from a number of radio callers. Uh, Brett Stevens in The Times talked about Cochrane. Put that on the screen. The most rigorous and comprehensive analysis of scientific studies conducted on the efficacy of masks for reducing the spread of respiratory illness, including COVID-19, was published last month. Its conclusions, said Tom Jefferson, the Oxford epidemiologist who is the lead author, were unambiguous. There is just no evidence that they masks make any difference, he told the journalist Mayanne Damasi, full stop. But wait, hold on. What about the N95 masks as opposed to the lower quality? Surgical or cloth masks makes no difference. None of it, he said. Well, what about the studies that initially persuaded policymakers to impose mask mandates? They were convinced by non-randomized studies, flawed observational studies. How do we get beyond that finding of that particular review? Yeah, but there are other studies, Michael, that show at an individual level for individual. When you're talking about the effect on the epidemic or the pandemic as a whole, 
the data are less strong. Meanwhile, in New Zealand, here's their Prime Minister Chris Hipkins, before he was Prime Minister in 2021, on the COVID jabs versus what he's saying now. I think early next year we'll be in the phase of chasing up people who haven't come forward to get their vaccination or have missed their bookings and so on. So uh, everyone will be able to get a vaccine between now and the end of the year. Uh, but of course, you know, and I want every New Zealander to come forward, but human behaviour suggests that there will be some people that we have to actually really go out and look for, uh, and, and some of that may spill into next year. But our commitment is everyone will have the opportunity to get the vaccine by the end of the year. Uh, everyone will, uh, but I, I can't say that, you know, that we're not going to have some hesitant people or some people who just haven't come forward that we don't have to go out and find next um, year. In terms of the vaccine mandates, I acknowledge that it was a challenging time for people, but they made ultimately made their own choices. There was no, there was no compulsory vaccination. People made their own choices. Is any of that going a bunch of federal informants and agents descended upon some place in Florida dressed up in red shirts and pretended to be Nazis. There's a presidential race going on right now. Are you going to vote in 2024? What do you think is going to happen with My those? vote is useless. I think Biden's better than Trump because he sends rockets to Ukraine. And that's what happened while we were away. So how do you get roped into that? Like when you're, you know, um, trying out at Langley or one of our federal captured Monaco. institutions. <laughs> nice. I mean, how badly do you have to like fail like you're final exam and uh, these are the guys they go to i mean look at overacting how poorly this is overacted this is this is waiting for guffman no way quirky kind of stuff okay way over the top and these are it kind of feels like these are the guys that you tell them hey you're not good enough even for a desk job here okay but you know we you know if you really want to be a part of the team that bad We've got, you know, certain operations that we think you're just perfect for. You know what I'm trying to say? I mean, a little known factor. You're basically the you're basically the deep state version yeah. of a custodial engineer. Well, no, I, I think you're I think you're short selling this. A little known fact about the CARES Act in 2020 actually is that it provided funding for a theater department for Langley and Quantico and things <laughs> like that. This is part of that that track. Very nice, very nice. Uh, Aaron's montage brought to you by. Red Balloon. Uh, we know our values are under attack everywhere we turn. That includes in many of America's biggest workplaces where if you're a patriot, you're made to attend woke DEI trainings or support leftist causes that you don't believe in. If you think it's bad now, wait till next year with the election. It will get even worse. That's why you want to go to redballoon.work. They are fighting back. They're America's largest woke-free job board. Every week, tens of thousands of job seekers visit Red Balloon looking for a new career without all the woke nonsense. All right. So if you're a business owner, stop using the woke job boards that flood you with uh, in your inbox with useless resumes instead post your jobs your openings at redballoon.work find values aligned job seekers at redballoon.work when you visit there use the promo code steve you'll receive five free profile search credits that's a 50 dollars value that's redballoon.work promo code steve and if you're looking for a new job create a job seeker profile at redballoon.work today promo code steve in the overtime I haven't heard the name or said the name Michael Schmirkanish in many years. Back in my days as the token conservative on many of an MSNBC panel, I would be on panels with him. 
So I'm fascinated by uh, his decision to go after Fauci on masks and Fauci's answer. We will discuss it uh, in the overtime today for blazetv.com subscribers at blazetv.com slash dace. That's where you can go to both watch it later today. We'll record it right after the show. Or you can become a subscriber to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash dace. Just 10 bucks a month. No censorship there. blazetv.com slash dace. I, I have no idea why if you thought he should have debated and if you think he's too old for run for president and you said across from him in a in an infomercial why didn't you ask him why didn't you debate and do you think you're too old to be president do you guys know why you wouldn't do that again i i, I want to know what the deal was because there was clearly some there's some quid pro quo yeah, I, just, I just don't understand you're sitting across from him you think you should have debated just ask him you think he's too old to run for president? Just ask him. See, this is clearly Tucker's loophole. Yeah. I mean, he's he knows the pressure he's been getting, and he put he's putting stuff out there to say, like, no, there's something else going on here. Now, I don't know what that is. It's just weird. I don't want to get to what else is in Aaron's montage, because I think the broader generational dilemma of the American right is depicted in Aaron's montage. Let me articulate what I think it is. We can't afford to let Democrats win. Like Stephen Friend, who we just had on the show a few weeks ago, right? The guy that's done, a, or, or, or I'm sorry, Stephen Friend is the, is the whistleblower from several months ago we had on the show, who sent me an email last year and told me our show was one of the reasons that he was inspired to come forward and blow the whistle on what was going on at the FBI. Told me that in, 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 in writing. And so he's been on a lot of conservative media outlets, including our own. Okay. He said today after he put it on Twitter today, after the capitulation on the January 6th footage, that it, these people aren't going to do anything with the, there's just no point in voting for Republicans. They're just, just, what's the point of voting at all? Just sit it out. You're not getting anything different. And this is the generational curse, dilemma, challenge quandary, whatever term you want to use, depending on where you're at now on the nihilism scale. Okay. Um, are you just looking at a black flag? Have you, you know, ironed it? You're getting ready to hoist it. You've hoisted it wide, you know, far and wide, wherever you're at on the, the right wing nihilistic spectrum, which is growing by the minute. This is our generational curse, dilemma, quandary, mystery, depending on where you're at. If you're raising the black flag, it's curse. You may have a different term if you're somewhere else on that spectrum. And it comes down to this statement, basically. We cannot afford to let Democrats win elections given how radicalized they are and how determined they are to end our way of life permanently. We cannot afford to let Republicans win elections because of their feckless response to these things. That's it. That's where we are. And we've been here for a long time. What John Cornyn is presenting is not different. We've, we've done this for decades. As Aaron put it, um, we have to fund the very weaponized government and all the things we hate. Otherwise, we're obstructionist and terrible. Um, McCarthy breaking the promise on January 6th footage. Um, after, breaking the, after breaking his promise on the debt battle, the, the budget battle earlier this year, he'll cave on the debt ceiling here by the end of the month, rest assured. And 
when I when I said the last few years that that Trump had not changed the paradigm, the cake was still being baked the same, but the frosting was just zanier. This is an example of what I mean. Were we having this discussion about life on the right before Donald Trump existed? Yes. Yeah. Did we have it while Donald Trump was in office? Yes. Are we having it after he's out of office? Of course. And so that means the paradigm, nothing has changed. The fundamental dilemma, what's the point in voting for McCain? The guy who, get, the guy who stopped George W. Bush from fighting on Supreme Court nominees and wanted amnesty and everything else. But if we don't vote for him, we hate America. And Barack Obama, who shares a lot of his ideas, will win, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we, we, had, we had to win. We won two midterms annihilating Obamacare. And in between them, nominated Mitt Romney, whose Romney care was the progenitor of Obamacare and gave Barack Obama his worst idea before he had it. And if we don't do that, then we hate America, right? Mm-hmm. And now a bunch of people that littered my inbox for years telling me if I didn't support Romney, I was a betrayer, are now cheering me on when I'm telling you all the same things I told you that were true about Mitt Romney 10 years ago. It's just now that he's not a Republican nominee for president, it's okay to say it. Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. I, I could have done this show where I came on the air and said, we cannot afford to let Democrats win. We cannot afford to let Republicans win. I did that show 10 years ago. That's how I know nothing's changed. I did this show 15 years ago. Nothing has changed. Trump changed nothing. Fundamentally, in our political paradigm, nothing's changed. Well, the media is corrupt and biased. You mean you trusted media before Trump? Now, it's more exposed than it ever was. Did Media Research Center, Brett Bozell, they just opened up January of 2017, right? They did not. Rush wasn't sitting there in the 90s at at 11 o'clock Eastern. All, all on a highly rated late talk show, just playing clips of biased media and reacting to it 30 years ago. That wasn't happening 30 years ago. We ever we trusted everything was on the up and up. That's that's a that's a brand new thing on the right. Distrust of media. Now, I agree that he had he he went further than anyone else had to destroy their credibility. I agree with that. He should get credit for that. And, 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 and there's a benefit to that. Because, but here's how he did it. He said a bunch of it. He didn't like make you think, well, you know, I thought Jim Acosta was honest until, no, no, you knew he was a liar before. What Trump did is say a bunch of incendiary things that the Republican Party told us we couldn't say and win. He said a bunch of incendiary things and even worse than those things and still won. That's how we did it, right? It wasn't like people were really trusting of the media before Trump, okay? Nothing's changed. The one place where there was a paradigm shift was foreign policy. But that's gone now because he's out of office. That wasn't a lasting change. Nothing, nothing, nothing's changed. Everything's the same. It's just zanier. It's, 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 it's more intense. It's more laborious. It's more never ending, but it's the same. And I think in in 2016, a lot of people turned to Trump thinking, let's get an outsider. You recognize this paradigm needed to be crushed and changed. And so there were two options presented in that cycle as a change of the paradigm. The true ideologue in Ted Cruz, albeit very unproven because he'd never held executive office, never governed anything, never run a business, held any executive management position ever. He came out of college as a constitutional attorney. He did that, became a solicitor general, ran for Senate, but but he represented ideological shift to the right. Trump represented a personal shift of that he that his persona would be the disruption we needed. And then that didn't happen. 
there were some good successes. They were all erased within five seconds of when he left the White House because he was not able to bend the system whatsoever, wasn't able to drain any swamps. And many of his personnel hires were absolutely, well, pardon the pun, deplorable. So that never occurred. So we're back here all over again. And now the swamp he didn't drain is now basically draining him of money. And endless lawfare and 41 indictments, uh, felony indictments and everything else that are, that's the never ending story. Okay. There is one path we have not tried. Well, there's two paths we haven't tried. Before we get to Bunker Hill. Because when you lack, and we get to Bull Run. Because when you lack agency long enough, that's where this goes historically every time. That's where it goes, right? Sooner or later, that's where it goes. It, th- our country was founded on that, on that. That's where it went. Years and years and years, they went to King George petition. They went to the, they, they went to the court of James. Years and years, went nowhere. Eventually, there was no alternative but call the minute minute, right? That was it. Sure. We debated slavery in this country, had how many compromises? I mean, it was debated at the, at the, at, at the, at the orchestrating and the, um, and, and the assembly of the Declaration of Independence. It was one of the most hotly debated issues at the founding of the country. It was debated for decades. Would we have slavery in the Northwest Territories? Would we have it in, in the Louisiana Purchase? Would we have it west of the Mississippi? Would we have it in the California Gold Rush? This thing was debated and punted and debated and punted for decades. Finally, it was very clear there would be no agency given to a solution. And so we ended up at Bull Run and Gettysburg. That's always where these conversations go when there's no agency. Now, we're heading there, unfortunately. That's how this will go. That's how it always is. That's history. We don't shape history. He does. We just live it out. We're humans. So that's where this will go with two possible exceptions. Two things that must grant people agency. There's two options. One is someone who is serious about governing with a proven record of doing so. That's what DeSantis represents. That I can do the things you want done. I've done them before. Now, the challenge for DeSantis is How many people are still serious about that or have essentially nihilistically just given up? And his challenge as a candidate is he's going to have to re-inspire those people. They're basically like the the Israelites in Egypt. They've been under bondage for so long, they wouldn't know any better. We can't do any any better than this. We just stay right here. Don't go anywhere. You know, and at least we've got water to drink and meat to eat. The other option... It's just an entirely different party. The problem with that is that's a long-term option. I mean, that's going to take years to foment, to form. You're not going to get instant battle access. Where's the money come from? Does anybody feel like we have that kind of time? Probably not. Maybe we do. I don't know the future, but it doesn't. To us, again, down here on the mortal plane, does it feel like we've got like 20 years to recalibrate the political paradigm around here does it feel like that to you guys no no because that's probably what you're looking at i mean nigel farage tried this in the uk with the uk independence party and he had no success at all except for brexit now that was a pretty big success 
But he was able to do that because of the referendum process. He couldn't have a lot of success even with a parliamentary system that would be more favorable to forming third or alternative or wedge parties, let alone the system that we have. And it seems like a lot of people on the right have just determined that they're in an abusive relationship and there's no way out. And they've essentially just given up. And I I understand that temptation. Your children and grandchildren don't. And they will curse us if we do this. I mean, I I was talking to somebody recently, someone whose opinion I greatly trust, who told me flat out, I think we're screwed. Someone who's really smart, I think we're screwed. I've essentially raised the black flag. I'm nihilistic. I don't think there's any shot at all they'll let Trump win or that he could even if, he, if they let him. I also don't think we'll, we could possibly move on from the toxicity of this era. And frankly, Steve, he told me, I'm concerned that you're going to go out there and blow your wad of credibility in a, over a, for the long term for a cycle that has no shot of being successful. Now, I'm not wired that way to think like that. You know, my worldview begins with the premise that a dead man walked out of a tomb alive. My life is not my own. I am bought at a high price. This last year, I nearly died from a bacterial infection based on a, from a bacteria I'd never even heard of previously. Four months later, I just out of nowhere lost hearing in half in one of my ears. Those are constant reminders. The clock is ticking here and there is no long term guaranteed for anybody, is there? There is no long term guarantee. What you have is right now. So as Paul says, redeem the time. But this is the quandary that we are in. And nothing's changed. So then at some point, maybe, we have to consider that we're the ones that have to change. The system isn't going to change the people. The people are going to have to change the system. All right, back here on the Steve Day Show, powered by our friends over at Relief Factory. You know, everyone deals with pain from time to time, particularly of the chronic variety. That's the lingering soreness and achiness that just won't go away. It's stubborn, and it's usually because of too much inflammation in your body, and that's why you're looking for an all-natural anti-inflammatory-like relief factor. It's drug-free, even though it was created by physicians who can prescribe drugs. Now, there's not always a a, a natural drug-free remedy to what ails us, and that's where the miracles of modern medicine obviously come into play but if you can do it naturally you should try and they're so confident that there's about 70 percent odds this will work for you why because 70 percent of the time the people that try the three-week quick start for just 20 bucks stick around long term because of the results they see in three weeks or less see if you're that next success story just 20 bucks to find out what do you have to lose for 20 bucks relieffactor.com is where you want to go relieffactor.com or you can call them at 804 that's the number four 804 relief 804 relief or relieffactor.com 
Well, I first heard about John Amon Chukwa several months ago um, at a school because of a video that went viral of him at a school board meeting. And I thought that is a very dope hoodie. And I sent that tweet to my wife and had her order it for me that day. Um, it's an all black hoodie that says God is greater than government. And I have since seen several more now where he has decided to go and wage war where the battle is absolutely hottest. Uh, what I like to call Satan's youth ministry, not very subtle, but that's essentially what it's devolved to in the last decade or two. And John is one of those uh, men, one of the few out there trying to do something about it. He joins us now here on the show. It is good to have you with us, brother. How are you? Thank you so much for having me on your show, Steve. Satan's youth ministry. I've never heard it put that way before. At abortion clinics, we call it uh, Satan's porch, but I am going to steal that. <laughs> well, you are more than welcome to use it. It's, am it's amazing how honest you can be if you, when you don't care how many friends you have. So I, I, I say things like that because I don't care. Um, so, but tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into this fight. Well, I come from a church that pushes uh, the focus of fighting against cultural issues. Um, I'm a member of Upper Room Church of God in Christ. I've been there now for 20 years, and we are a cause-driven church. And so that's what that's what I know. That's what I've been doing. Um, I started getting into ministry in college after I gave my life to Christ. I had a prayer group in the racquetball room on Monday nights, and I had a Bible study on Tuesdays at one of the busiest dorms on campus at NC State. I'm a graduate of NC State, played football there. Oh, nice. And How long ago was that, that you played football there? Because I'm a college football savant. So, like, did you play for, like, Dick Sheridan way back in the day? I played for Chuck Amato, Chuck oh, yeah? the Chest. So you were there when, yeah, like, Philip Rivers was there? Philip Rivers, yeah. Mario Williams, all of those guys, yeah. man. So, see, I told you, I, I, there, there's very little college football minutiae. I don't know. My wife would often tells me if she hadn't had my three kids, she'd swear I'm still a virgin. But let's set that aside and get back to the topic at hand. Go ahead. <laughs> well, yes. And so uh, just through my young adult life, just staying engaged in the issues and what's going on, knowing first and foremost that Christ saved me, he redeemed me. And there's nothing like a new convert. You know, when you give your life to Christ, you want to tell everybody about the redemptive work of the God of the Bible. And so from there, just staying engaged in the issues, um, our local church has fought to um, make sure that abortion clinics around town are closed down. We fight against Planned Parenthood. We go to the local abortion clinic and we help mothers out. We throw baby showers. Hmm. We get in the ditch with them. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. We believe that life is significant from the womb to the tomb, we do the necessary things to help a mama make the right choice. But along with that issue also, we also address these problems as relates to critical race theory, gender theory, queer theory, intersectionality, all of these things um, we address at local school board meetings. And so I've gone viral maybe eight times doing so. I've amassed over 180 million views. I'm partnering with TPUS, TPUSA Faith and School Board Watch List to go to some of the busiest and wokest school boards in the country to speak out against these issues. Why and and congrats to the to you and TPUSA for going to that level of grassroots. My activism as a show host began um, here in Des Moines, 
Um, I, you know, I, I found a, a guy to run for school board who was to the right of me on most issues. And that's hard to do. Uh, he just happened to be black and a Democrat. And we got him on the school board by like 50 votes. First black member of the Des Moines school board ever. That was when I first started out in this business 17 years ago. And getting to see the school board process, because we homeschooled all our kids or sent them to Des Moines mm-hmm. Christian. So I, I never saw this as a parent. I saw this third hand through, through Jonathan, my friend. And to see just how corrupt these boards are to see how literally demonically influenced they were. And that was 17 years ago when people told me nobody cares about a local school board race. And I would imagine things have probably not gotten better since then. So I love the fact that you guys are going to and taking the fight to that, you know, granular level, because I really believe there are two places where the battle is hottest, where there are true demonic strongholds, not just political opposition. And I think it's, I think it's the school boards and what, and, and what is educated and taught to our children and popular culture, I think, is the other one. So I love the fact that you guys are attacking one of those shibboleths. What's what has been if you could articulate common themes as you as you've gone on and done this in school board districts across the country? Can you see common modus operandi, common methodologies where you can kind of see the same thing plays out over and over again, regardless of where you go once they're once they're under that ideological or spiritual grip? Well, we know that we're fighting against Satan. This is spiritual warfare. But I have to say this, Steve, and I don't mean to say this in a condescending way. We really need to pray for white liberals. And, and, I, and, I, and I say that from the bottom of my heart. The majority of the people who are pushing these ideologies that I see around the country, whether it's in California, whether it's in Florida, whether it's in New Jersey, Virginia, up in Loudoun County, where they're allowing children to self-identify as animals, you know, you're seeing a steady flow of white liberals supporting ideologies that are against nature, that's against normative behavior. And so we really need to pray about that. I'm oftentimes saying as well that many parents are unaware about what's taking place and what's going on. Mm-hmm. They drop their kids off for nearly seven to eight hours. They treat, you know, K through 12 education like a daycare, drop the kid off and you don't engage in what's going on. And so many children are being indoctrinated into things that their families really don't even support. You know, we take them to church on Sunday morning for an hour or two, if that. And then we take them to school on Monday through Friday. And the kids are being um, inundated with ideologies that are against Scripture, that are against the family. And our kids are now confused. They don't know what to think. They don't know what to believe. Studies are showing that more and more children are beginning to lean towards the, uh, the concepts of transgenderism and believing that A man can be a woman and a woman can be a man. All of these things are taking place in our government schools. John, I don't want to make, I'm not going to say this is a panacea because when you're dealing with this kind of spiritual stronghold, man, the roots run deep. All right. You got to pull that, you got to pull the thing out by the roots. Okay. But just as a first step of progress, how Mm. much of a dent would we put into what you've witnessed if more dads, men, just made their presence more known in these districts and at these meetings? 
<laughs> I tell you what, man, you, you're really pulling up some roots by saying that. <laughs> um, th that question is the question of all questions. I believe that part of the reason why we don't see a lot of men speaking out at local school board meetings is because many men have become neutered by feminists. They have surrendered their voice. They feel as if to speak up and to address these issues and to be vocal and assertive and to use their testosterone, oftentimes those kind of men are labeled as having toxic masculinity. And then if a guy is, uh, you know, more reserved and quiet, then he's labeled as being a beta. And so men are confused today. They're on this pendulum swinging back and forth of not knowing what to do, how to respond and what to say. But men are called to be protectors and providers. And if there's anyone that should be standing up for the sanctity of even womanhood, it ought to be men because we are blessed and we are the recipients thereof. I am trying to bring about revival nationally in many ways, spiritually, uh, through making sure that people understand what the Bible says and what God's truth uh, supports, but also trying to get to the hearts of men in the culture and to remind them that you have a place, you have a role, you have a job. We can't just surrender education to the mama bears. We need the papa bears as well, mm -hmm. speaking up on the front lines. I mean, I'm, I'm a great admirer of Moms for Liberty as just one example. They do so much great work around the country. But I think the fact that it exists is also a shame to the men, right? To some degree, yes. it is. I would agree with that. Uh, Moms for Liberty does a wonderful job. Um, I'm friends with Tiffany Justice. Uh, we've partnered together on some issues as relates to the school board meetings, and they're doing a great work. And you're right, you know, prophetically speaking, it says that men have abdicated their role and responsibility, that we have to have an organization called Moms for Liberty in the first place. But I'm for making sure men see clearly today, and they know that they have a job, they have a role, they have a task, and I'm seeing more and more men around the country begin to speak up. I receive emails weekly from men who are saying, hey, how do I get engaged? I want to do what you're doing. Or I saw your viral video in Temecula when mm -hmm. you spoke out about the, the 10 things that black students don't need in education. You know what? I want to do what you're doing. Can you give me some pointers? Can you give me some tips? So men are beginning to say, you know what, man, I can do this as well. You know, I may not know all of the issues like John. I may not know um, how to properly put it in the same manner that he does, but I have a child that's in the public education system and I want to address these issues as well let's be very practical here we got about four minutes left someone is listening yes. right now and they're a mom or a dad and they're like okay we've got to get involved or maybe i'm not even a mom or dad but maybe i once was a mom and my, i'm still one my kids are grown and out of the house but it's this community where husbands for my daughters and wives for my sons and and bosses for my children and grandchildren are going to come out of these schools and so and i'm paying taxes into them so i'm i still have a vested interest in it and i want to get involved i want to take a stand what would you urge them to do very practically to get started Number one, I want to remind every parent that you do not co-parent with the government. Number one. I also want to remind you that you have a responsibility of knowing what's in the curriculum. You need to know what are in the curriculum standards. It's imperative that every parent knows 
what the books that are being provided in the classroom are talking about, what they uh, what they support. Parents need to go to the library and have a conversation with the librarian. And if you walk into the library and you see a pride flag and you see a transgender flag and you see a BLM flag, you are dealing with a woke public school. And parents have a right to go into the library of their school and to see what's in there. I've spoken to some woke librarians around the country and you know what they tell me? They say that children have a right to see themselves on the bookshelves when they walk in. So Hmm. if a child is dealing with gender dysphoria they're confused, you know, they're they're eight. You know, the human brain doesn't really develop anyway until the age of 25. And someone's eight in elementary school and, you know, a guy thinks he's a girl. Should we play along with that and put a book on the shelf that supports that? Or should we make sure we redirect that child and get them the, pro- the proper attention and help and assistance that they need? But today, these uh, librarians have special interests. They know what they are doing. And so I say to people out there to get involved, get on the front lines. You can engage and know what's going on in your child's school. John, how can people follow you and the work that you're doing if they want to do that, brother? Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at R-E-V-W-U Truth. That's Rev Woo Truth. And if you would like to support my work, you can go to erasedbook.com. That's E-R-A-C-E-D book.com. You're doing the Lord's work, man. Literally. Keep it up. All right. We appreciate it. Thank you very much, John. Thank you so much, Steve. You bet. We'll have him back for sure. I am I am sure this conversation hits home close to you, Todd. Yeah. I mean... He is him and I am... You are basically... You've essentially been a public nuisance at your local school board yeah. for years. And, and nearly a one-man show. Yeah. So thoughts on that conversation? Well, that's the ballgame. It would be entirely different if there were just 10. Uh, I, I identify with him greatly, but really, the... the, the the, the people coming in, what can I do? The first thing you, mu- you, must, you must do is that education is not something that you're supposed to be passive about and leave it to the so-called experts, nor the law. This, he just was escorted out by a uh, police officer just for showing the people what everybody came to indoctrinate your children with. That's how absurd things are. And until you realize that's not expertise, that's insanity, game over. Mm. It doesn't, you don't have to be well-spoken or anything like that. You have to be pissed off is what you need to be. And you have to say, over my dead body. Hmm. Aaron? Far too few people are legitimately pissed off. Now, we, we, we get our jollies off on social media in this bubble, but far too few people... You know, they just roll their eyes. They don't have time for this. Um, The forces that are trying to foist this ideology, all of the ills that we've seen them do, whether it's transgenderism or whether it's gender, all of they, they have time for this. Oh, they have a lot of time for this. They've been preparing for decades for this. So either make time. But what is what? What's the muse song? Knights of Sidonia. Um, don't waste your time or time will waste you. Hmm. That's what's going on here. And Todd is absolutely right. This is the whole ball game. And it doesn't, here's the encouraging part. It doesn't take that many people actually 
in the grand scheme of things. It just takes a committed minority of people who are saying, you know what? I have time to go to the school board meeting. I have time to be a menace to these essentially uh, take out my, of Satan. Take out my frustrations on people who deserve it, frankly. Yes. Yeah. It just takes a, a, a small, committed minority of people who are willing to put in the work like John is doing. But men must make up some of that yes. minority. There must be men. It doesn't have to be it, a lot. It must be the majority of the minority. But there's got to be some men in there. Yeah. Got to be some men. Oh, we're in trouble. How'd you close the last segment? You talked about maybe we need to start asking about the people instead of the system. Mm -hmm. People just can't be bothered, Steve. All right, we'll come back. Hour two, Anastasia's going to join us. And then a fake news or not that I'm going to surprise you guys with and get your reaction next. Back here with Hour 2 here on Blaze TV Radio and Podcast. Steve Dace here with Aaron McIntyre, Todd Erzin, and all of you. And you can let us know what you think about what we think by emailing the show, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe, and Gab. Follow me at Steve Dace Show on Twitter, Getter, Instagram, and TikTok. You can find me on Truth Social as well, at Real Steve Dace there. If you are a podcast listener and have not yet done this, please leave us a five-star review. Thank you to all of you who have. We appreciate each and every one. They are very meaningful. And they also help uh, appease the algorithmic gods that uh, essentially are running society now. Uh, if you've not yet done so, we would ask why not. But then we would also warn you, this is the best we can do. So if you were thinking, I don't know, I think there might be a little bit more there. There isn't. Um, many times people will say to me, I know you're better than that. I'm... Sadly, I'm not. This is it. Like my wife says to me these days, something wrong? No, why? Well, what's the look on your face? My face. That's how I look these days. That's all I got. So, um, whatever level of mediocrity we've already achieved is pretty much all you're ever going to get. So, might as well go ahead and just accept that and give us a five-star review now. And thank you to all of you who have. We appreciate it. Also hit subscribe or on iTunes follow so that each new mediocre episode shows up in your feed right away. Uh, a product that is not mediocre is sweat block. We are coming out of the, what was the term I used? The heat canopy. Is that what they're calling it? Was. it? Yeah. We're coming out of the heat canopy here in the Midwest. Today's the last day. And already they're telling us it won't be quite as hot as they were originally forecasting. So relief is on the way. But you know what, man? I didn't sweat it at all. Huh? See what I did there? Huh? No? Get the gun. <laughs> That's probably something that needs to be said in our society a lot more often in various contexts, I would guess, actually. Anyway, sweat block held up, man, to the point I've actually got to go back now and get a refill on the uh, deodorant lotions. I tapped myself out over the last couple of weeks. 
That's how good of a product it is. But they're really most known for their antiperspirant wipes. That's the OG. If if you've got problems with excessive sweating, and not just because it's 110 degrees in the shade, it's just the adrenaline gets going, the energy gets going. It could be, you know, when it's a high-pressure situation, a first date, a job interview, public speaking or singing, those kinds of things. You have a hard time keeping it under control. That's where Sweatblock comes in. They've got an outstanding stick deodorant as well. Sweatblock.com is where you want to go with the promo code DACE to get... 20% off your order. Sweatblock.com, promo code DACE for 20% off at sweatblock.com, promo code DACE. All right, coming up here in uh, a little bit, fake news or not, but first we welcome in my oldest daughter, now officially Mama Anastasia. Good to see you, sweetie. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing, Dad? I am doing well. You seem to be doing better now that we're fully in the second trimester. I'm, I'm finally reaching that promised land that a lot of women told me about called the second trimester. Yes. The first trimester, like, what is this? The second trimester is blissful. The third trimester it's not, is, yeah, I'm when does this thing lead, get out of my body? My like, emotions, that's the typical pattern. My emotions are all over. I mean, Stephen and I watched High School Musical 3 over this Labor Day weekend. And I just bawled my eyes out at the end. I was bawling. And I was like, I just can't believe it. It's it's done. It ended. And he was like, well, it, it ended a while. Like, I mean, this movie <laughs> <laughs> <a while> ago. <laughs> Steven giving you the side eye over there. Like, what? So usually he just laughs at me when I Now, that's the I one cry. that they put it out in theaters. And you and I went and saw it on a daddy-daughter date, correct? Yeah. I seem to remember that was not as good as the first two. The second one is much better. And the Steven second one's the best the movie one. in the series, I think. It is. The best music, the best it overall. Is. Yeah, I think that's the best one. It is. And the third one's all right. It's definitely like a different, like, like cinematic, like, view. Like, it's definitely like they got, like, paid more for that. Yeah. Because Zac Efron also did a lot after the second movie. Did too. you do the, your, your, your girls are in that age group. They had to do the high school musical thing too, right? Did they? They watched them, yeah. but they were, I mean, my oldest is, what, four years younger than you, five years younger, something like that. So we didn't, none of them were in the movie theaters. Okay, all right. Our girl, both you and Zoe, were obsessed with High School Musical. And do you remember when they came out with a separate movie for just Sharpay? Yes. And how psyched Sharpay's Zoe, Fabulous Adventure, yeah, yes. How, how psyched Zoe was for that? Yes. So that was, what, 10 years ago, maybe? Maybe more? Yeah. We moved Zoe into her first apartment. What, cou- what, cu- what kind of couch did she buy? It was a pink fluffy couch. She uh, has a yes. pink bedspread, a pink blanket. Very, very Sharpay. It was a very opulent, bright pink <laughs> fluffy couch is what is in. So you got these hardwood floors in Zoe's, in Zoe's first apartment. And on top of it in the family room or the, in the living room is this very bright, very pink fluffy couch that uh, Zoe ordered. It's a nice couch, though. It is a nice couch. All right, so what are we doing this week? So a while back, BuzzFeed put out these questions from gay people to straight people. All right, I hate this already. I hate it already. I actually You lost me at BuzzFeed, (laughs) okay? I actually picked really decent ones that I thought would spark, like, really good conversation between the three of you. I swear to you, I actually was really... I think I brought something of substance for the first time here. Shoot me. I think I brought... I think it'll be good. And it's only it'll, Monday. <laughs> and it'll make my job easier because these will be good social media clips too. All right. Okay. They're not bad. They're like good ones that I feel like you guys can actually like go into a good conversation and ask. Lock and, and load. Lock <laughs> and load. Fair enough. All right. All right. Go ahead. So the first one is, if straight people hate gay people so much, why do y'all keep having gay babies? 
that's a serious conversation starter. You, 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 I am going to use the gun, but I'm turning it on myself. <laughs> <laughs> that's this. This was asked. This was asked. Yes, it was. I have. You wrote about this in your book. Never accept the premise. This is so dumb. I don't know how to answer yes. the question. It's so dumb. I, I I wouldn't know how to answer. I think I'd I think I'd probably just turn around and walk away. I mean, I'd be, I would just be like, you know what? Just shake the dust off my sandals and move on. I think I would just walk away. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't know. That is so dumb. I I would think you're beyond reach. I I I couldn't come up with an answer to that. You know, Bill Maher has been Other getting than get a lot behind of, thee, Satan. Um, has been getting a lot of uh, props for his appearance on the Joe Rogan experience, talking about the trans phenomenon. And he said a lot of things that were absolutely true and on point. One thing that he said that was 180 degrees not true and 180 degrees not on point is uh, saying the trans phenomenon is the polar opposite of the uh, uh, the homo rights era whereas the homos uh said that you know we were born this way the trans people said well the way we were born is bleeped this is kind of an extension of that it's just hmm. no no that's not how this works bill this is just you've fallen for the great canard of of the rainbow flag era you want to give it you want to take a crack at this huh, huh, huh? no i'm trying i'm dying but i'm trying up here i'm trying go ahead todd there's nothing to entertain here I mean I don't like you said that with a tone that frankly made me afraid (laughs) okay I mean like when people say things to you like that in that tone whatever comes next will be bad something bad happens after there's nothing to entertain here whatever happens after that will be bad for you my honest answer is trust me we're at the point where you've captured the institution of education and our spoon feeding our children porn you think we hate you the problem is we don't hate you enough i told you whatever was going to come after that was going to be bad tiktok's not going to like that one I told you that was going to be bad how are we doing so far good <laughs> <laughs> these aren't my questions you guys are looking at me like i'm i'm genuinely asking these are this is gay people i'm not a gay people <laughs> You're not the gays. <laughs> I'm not the gays. <laughs> hate the gays. I don't know. Don't hate me. <laughs> Anyways, next question. Okay, this is from I'll I'll preface. This is from the gays, not Anna Pibbs. <laughs> okay. Next question. They want to know. The gays in general want to know what is what is the gay agenda. Um. Oh, that one's much simpler. Okay. That is the co-opting and capturing and weaponizing of every public institution to validate your craven desires uh, and on a societal level and influence and impose the next generation to join you in indulging such things. That's what it is. I agree. It is, uh, I would say it is the uh, undoing of reality itself. That's the effect both, of it. Yes. Both revelation and reason on on both bases. It wants to disconnect you from the obvious truths of the universe as an affront to the creator. 
it is Marxism uh, tailored for the West. That too. Yeah. Th- that was better. Okay. <laughs> Talk to the gays. I didn't come up with these questions. Talk to them. No, I mean, in terms of giving you a TikTok <laughs> video in response, that one was better, right? Yeah. I mean, I'll definitely take Todd's clip too from the first previous question as well. Okay. So you and want, we'll see how that goes. You basically just don't want to be on TikTok anymore. <laughs> we'll okay. see if we get banned. All right. And then the last question the gays have for you guys is <laughs> I'm just gonna, I'm gonna preface do you honestly believe in your heart of hearts that gay folks will destroy the quote sanctity of marriage unquote and why no I, I I don't believe sinners can destroy the sanctity of something that God has created um, I think that you can destroy a society by desecrating something sacred that God has created. And you do that by no longer calling sin, sin, but by redefining sin um, as laudable, moral, and noteworthy. And thus you end up corrupting the society. God gave us institutions like marriage as a check and balance on our own sinful natures, right? So we are all born as sexual beings. We all have sexual desire. Um, And so on a very basic level, there needed to be an institution that directed and channeled that in the proper direction. Um, men are made to uh, primarily to protect and defend, but left to their own devices, they often won't because they're sinners. So they need to think outside of themselves. Having a wife and children makes a man more eager and willing to perform his, his ultimate destiny. Women were made to nurture. Um, the same goes the other way. Okay, so these institutions were ordained and created by God in response to our sinfulness with an attempt to marginalize and limit the destruction of our sinfulness, both upon ourselves and other people. When we, however, use our sin to corrupt these institutions, what we're really doing is corrupting society. The definition of marriage has never changed. There has never been a single gay marriage in the history of humanity, whether it was Nero in a, in a Senate marrying a gay slave or anybody right now who pretends to be same-sex attracted and married. There's never been a gay marriage. There's only one kind of marriage. We didn't call polygamy multiple marriage. Like, they didn't have referendums in the ancient world. Do you guys think marriage is between one man and one woman or one man and 15 women? They didn't, have, they didn't debate that on a societal level. That was called a different institution. Polygamy is what that was called because there's only one form of marriage and there will only ever be one form of marriage. When we violate that, that doesn't impact God on any level other than it grieves him to see what his children will do to destroy themselves. We're really destroying each other, not anything God has created. I would say yes, but not uniquely or alone. I mean, there's for your... I would take your average church-going conservative uh, couple who would lament what's become of marriage and uh, before you even get to what any homosexual has ever said or done about it, it starts in what uh, your your average American man and woman together have uh, done to it by dishonoring it, by putting it off, by excusing it away, by ignoring it altogether. Do you believe that polygamy destroys the what you believe is the sanctity of your gay marriage that's how i would respond (laughs) (laughs) i like his answer actually the best i took it seriously aaron actually took it 
as serious as it deserves to be. Is that it? Yeah, that is. I thought I would only subject you to three questions. There are other ones like don't knock it until you try it, stuff like that. But I thought you, I would not bring those today. Because yeah, sometimes Graham. I like to come on. Lindsey Graham has already answered those questions. You can tell we've been off for a few days. There's, there's, there's a, a lot, lot of pent up There's a lot of pent up spite and vinegar. And it's all being dispersed <laughs> and unloaded as we speak. All right. Thank you, sweetheart. Good Thank to see you. you. All right, let's get to fake news or not. Brought to you by our friends over at Jace Medical. Uh, They've got a new product. Remember last year they came out with a Jace case so that you could uh, make sure you had access to venerable medications like, um, you know, famous and proven antibiotics like amoxicillin, doxycycline, you know, the next medicines they may determine are dangerous and and, and aardvark paste uh, when you might need them the most. Now they want to make sure you have access to your meds when you might need them the most. Get a 12-month backup supply of your meds just to have that peace of mind. And this this accounts for everything from heart disease to diabetes to blood pressure meds, even mental health meds, and more. Um, you can go to Jace Medical, J-A-S-E, jacemedical.com, enter the code DACE at checkout for a discount. Code DACE at checkout for a discount when you go to Jace Medical, J-A-S-E, jacemedical.com, code discount is DACE. JaceMedical.com, code DACE. All right. So I had a little birdie call me over the weekend. And we got to just talking about the larger presidential race. And uh, it would be a name you guys would know. Okay. And we just got to talking about the race. And they told me they saw something on Newsmax TV. And I said, there's no way that happened. No way that occurred. So I'm like, you got to get me that clip. And then like an hour or two went by and I, this thing was just stuck in my brain, man. I couldn't let it go. So I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to wait for the birdie. I'm going to go out on my own and see if I can find this. Okay. This is... And what I found is Newsmax actually wrote an article about this appearance. And it happened even sooner, more recently than I thought. This happened on Saturday. So I I was talking to this little birdie of mine yesterday. So this just happened over the weekend. So, I mean, he must have watched it live. Okay. Here is the headline for fake news or not. Here's the headline. McLaughlin and Cuccinelli to Newsmax disagree on undecided voters. All right, now, just to set the stage here, if you don't know who these two individuals are, John McLaughlin is Trump's pollster. Well, his latest one. Trump has a tendency to go through pollsters a lot, like every other personnel decision. Um, And, I mean, McLaughlin's worked for a lot of Republicans over the years. He used to work for Eric Cantor. And he predicted that Eric Cantor was going to beat Dave Bratt in his congressional primary by 33 points oh <laughs> yeah Dave Bratt won by 12 yeah so uh 45 point swing <laughs> just a bit outside <laughs> to say to that. I mean we all laughed we all laughed I don't even know who to turn the gun on at this oh, yeah. point <laughs> just gonna just start spraying buckshot sh- everybody <laughs> deserves it everyone and then when I'm done, I'm turning it on myself because I just can't take they, it anymore. Do they make airsoft cruise missiles? That's what I want to know. <laughs> airsoft cruise missiles. 
That's great. No, seriously, he projected that Eric Cantor was going to, his client, Eric Cantor was going to win by 33 points, and he lost by 12. That was like 45 points. 45 in a congressional primary, guys. Okay, 45. All right. Okay, so, so Ken Cuccinelli, for those of you that don't know, is one of the mucky mucks with DeSantis' super PAC. And oddly enough, former Virginia gubernatorial nominee, he was the attorney general of Virginia. He also was essentially the border czar for Trump in the White House. He was Trump's border czar, one of the better hires that Trump made. But now he is supporting DeSantis uh, and his never back down super PAC. So Newsmax brings these two guys on to essentially argue about what the state of the race is. Okay. I want to start right here with the headline. When I ask you guys, McLaughlin and Cuccinelli disagree on undecided voters. What do you think that means? Oh, I'm guessing Trump's guy probably believes that this thing is done. This primary is over and Cuccinelli probably disagrees with that. I... I don't know at this point. Uh, undecided voters. I mean, when you assume that the argument is how undecided voters would lean if they had to make a decision, typically. Sure. That, wouldn't you think that's what it means? Right? I mean, that's what you would think it would mean, particularly since this is September 2nd. Right? Nobody is voting for four and a half months. Nobody's voting for four and a half months. Nobody is. And then the one place that they are is in a race that fewer than 180,000 people are going to vote in in one state. And so New Hampshire will be like two or three weeks later. So only people, only about 180,000 Iowans are going to vote in the next five months. So you would think that this would be about which way undecided voters are leaning. Fair? Well, and how many of them still consider Trump to be an option? Correct. And we've seen a lot of those polls, right? I mean, our own Iowa poll a few weeks ago showed 50% of Trump voters or would at least 50% would be willing to look at somebody else. Right. There's been other polls that have shown some of those things. Right. Okay. All right. All right. I'm just going to read to you this piece. Okay. Donald Trump pollster John McLaughlin and Ken Cuccinelli, the founder of Never Back Down, the pact that supports Governor Ron DeSantis' presidential campaign. Um, discussed the presidential campaign on Newsmax Saturday and remained divided on whether there are Americans who are undecided on their votes. The debate was not about what undecided voters would do. The debate was whether or not they exist. They exist on September 2nd, four and a half months before anyone votes and only one state is going to vote for five months Iowa and then it's like another month until South Carolina from Iowa so you could say for the next six months two states are going to vote Iowa where maybe maybe 180,000 people would vote what was the turnout of the New Hampshire primary in 2016 Uh, looking at it here 150, 180, 200, about 240,000 people voted in a nation of 330 million. In the next six months, less than half a million people are going to vote. Less than half a million people in a nation of 330 million are going to vote in, in the next six months. 
and Donald Trump's pollster went on Newsmax and, and asserted there were no undecided voters. Quote, we now have the most corrupt failed president in the history of the United States. McLaughlin told Newsmax is the count. On February 21st, I said there'll be buyer's remorse when Joe Biden fails. I just never thought he'd fail this fast and this badly and be this corrupt. But now, former President Trump is running 40 to 50 points over his challengers. And when it comes to DeSantis, quote, this is, from, this is a quote from John McLaughlin. He leads 72 to 28, and there are no undecideds. That is a quote. That is a quote. There are no undecideds. No, no undecideds. None. No one, no one is undecided in America, according to Trump's pollster. No one is. And it's 72 to 28, and no one is undecided. No one is. In a race that only uh, barely a, less than a half a million people are going to vote over the next course of the next six months. No one is undecided. No one is. No one is. He said this on, the, he said this on television, on Newsmax, which means a lot of you probably didn't see it. Um... And there was no pushback on this from the host. None. There are no undecideds. I can't believe I have to ask this, but I will. The look on your face, Todd, is priceless. Okay. Four and a half months before anybody votes in Iowa. Fake news or not, there are no undecideds. No one is undecided. None. There are none. You do remember the beginning of your own show today, which started off with a montage that included the front-running president, presidential candidate in question, selling his mugshot merch. You do re- you call that t-shirt. right? So it's it's t-shirts now, but yeah, yeah. So, yeah, but tomato, tomato. I hear you. Yeah. So you're expecting like objectivity. Clarity, above boredness. Okay. What I, I, I knew, I knew you were going to say that, and I'm ready. Here's my counter. Okay, if John McLaughlin had gone on Newsmax and said, you know, when we pull a head-to-head between Trump and DeSantis, and and we ask people who are undecided, if you have to vote right now, where would you go? And our numbers show it was 72 to 28. Would we even be talking about this on the show right now? No. 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 would just not register, not be a point. Wouldn't matter. Is that what he said, though? No. No. He said something completely different. Yeah. He said no one is undecided. No one is. What is it about this guy that will just... And I've, I've asked myself this question for seven years, and I don't understand it. And maybe I never will, and maybe it's a good thing that I don't. What is it about this guy that people are just so willing to debase themselves to obviously disgusting levels one way or the other? Whether it's the, it's, uh, hey, uh, you didn't uh, put the uh, disclosure of 200 grand to Stormy Daniels on your campaign disclosure. So uh, here's 30 felony counts in New York. Okay. Um, you, you, you. Um, Mike Pence and uh, Joe Biden, uh, they took documents from the White House with them. But since their name's not Donald Trump, they're fine. Uh, we're going to try to, here's a hundred year prison sentence for you. I mean, 
Could you at least like five or ten? A hundred? A hundred years? It's just debasingly disgusting. So is this. Uh, there's no one undecided. Everybody's minds are made up on September 2nd. Nobody's undecided at all. Why? I, I'm never going to understand it. I'm never going to get it. But the, the depths of debasing, of disgusting debasement that people are willing to do either on, on behalf of or in opposition to this, man, this one singular individual, I don't, I don't, I can't, I don't, I don't understand it. I don't. You lie when you don't have to. Rudy Giuliani, I, I literally pled no contest and admitted I will not contest your allegations that uh, I lied in court. Then comes on Twitter, I never admitted to anything. I, you, you just literally saw, you, you entered a plea into the court, no contest. I'm not contesting that I lied to, about these people. I'm not contesting your charges anymore. I never admitted to anything. What are you talking about? What is it about this guy? Like there can be no truth about or around him. Everything's got, does everything have to be a lie? Can the truth ever just get said one way or the other? What, what is it about this guy that you, so many people will just in, on camera say things that are just disgustingly debased, not even close to, not true in any nine realms within the formerly artist formerly known as the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and they will just say them with certainty. Why? It's not even necessary. You don't need 41 indictments against Trump. If you want to run against him, he'll say something dumb and incendiary in five minutes. Just use that against him. You don't have to do this. You don't have to go on TV and say, there's no undecided. Nowhere. You don't have to do that. People choose to do this. Why? He gives them permission to. This is a tale as old as time. He gives them permission to be who they want to be anyways. I have been considering something and I, I think this has been borne out in, in the in the primary and we've seen this a few times talking about adopting the leftist approach and using that on your political opponents regardless of the party that they're in mm -hmm. I think if there's one thing that the Trump orbit understands is that the narrative the narrative the narrative is the most important thing and they will do anything to protect the narrative. Who does that sound like? What does that sound like? I think that's your, your answer. Hmm. We'll come back. Pop Culture Tuesday is next. Remember when there were like Star Wars? Whatever happened to that? Let's discuss. Back here on the Steve Day Show. There are no other shows. <laughs> no other shows exist. No one else is broadcasting. We have all the listeners, all of them. We have them all. <laughs> the only reviews are five star. You should have been wearing it. Trump t-shirt with his mugshot on it when you said that I just I'm, I'm just 
I am the greatest of all time. Now, I will say this. Miracle made sheets are pretty great. They're the greatest. I don't know they're the greatest of all time. They're the greatest sheets I've ever slept on. And man, they did it again. I told you I raved about it during the last heat canopy, whatever the heck they're calling it, heat wave we had, that this was the first summer that I didn't have to have the ceiling fan on when it got really hot out at night to keep cool, to sleep. Didn't have to do it. In fact, tried to do it during this last heat wave, thinking, it, okay, this one's even worse, maybe. I got, I can't believe I'm going to say this, guys. I got too cold. I had to turn the fan off. That, like, never happens. That's how good these sheets are. Self-cooling properties for a better quality sleep using silver-infused fabrics, originally inspired by NASA. Miracle-made sheets are thermoregulating and designed to keep you at the perfect temperature all night long so you get the best sleep every single night. Now, there's probably other materials and substances out, substances out there that would keep you cool. You know, like... I would imagine, you know, maybe wrapping yourself in wax paper might do it. I don't, or aluminum foil. Probably, though, not the most comfortable sleeping experience. Fair, fair. Okay. So it's not just that these things keep you cool, but they are comfortable too. Luxurious comfort and quality. Um, better bed sheets than you see in some five star hotels. So it's not just that they functionally are superior. They're very comfortable as well. You can try them right now at trymiracle.com slash dace. Trymiracle.com slash dace, and you'll save over 40% if you go there. Trymiracle.com slash dace. Now, if you use the promo code dace on top of that at checkout, you'll get three free towels and an additional extra 20% off, so you can't beat it. Trymiracle.com slash dace, promo code dace. TryMiracle.com slash Dace, promo code Dace. All right, Pop Culture Tuesday. I wanted to do an in-depth discussion, or I want to do an in-depth discussion about the new Equalizer movie. Saw it last night. Absolutely freaking loved it. Okay, even Amy loved it. You know, not her native genre of movie. I was originally just going to go because I just told my wife, I, I really need to see some really bad things happen to some really bad people for a while. I just need to... I need to see some really bad things happen to some really bad people for about an hour and a half. I got a lot more out of this movie than I bargained for. But I want to give more of you a chance to see it because there's no way we can discuss this without spoiling it, okay? But there are some powerful moral themes in this movie, one in particular. So next week for Pop Culture Tuesday, we're going to discuss the third and final Equalizer film from Denzel Washington, okay? So heads up. And if you haven't seen the movie by then and we spoil it, that's on you. For now. Noah comes in Saturday morning. We're getting ready to watch Michigan on uh, Peacock with the new TV deal for the Big Ten. And uh, I'm turning on Peacock to watch the game. He's like, why are we turning on Peacock? I'm like, well, the game is streaming right now. So that's it. we're on the streamer this week. Oh, okay. And then he looks at me and says something that just kind of blew my mind. Have you watched any of Ahsoka yet? I'm like, well, I was going to wait so we could typically watch it together like we typically do, but isn't even out right now? He's like, oh, yeah, they're like going into the fifth episode. And it like didn't even register with me. The Secret Wars show that Marvel had, I still haven't seen any of it yet. 
And that's that's like one of the greatest comic stories in the history of Marvel comics where the the scrolls basically impersonate most of the great Marvel heroes and you have to figure out who's a scroll and alien and who's not, you know? Um watched I I haven't seen any of it yet. None of it. I still haven't seen Andor yet. That one is good. That one's legit. No, I've heard very good things about Andor. I just haven't seen it yet. Especially the episode One Way Out. What's going on here? I'm asking. I don't, I don't have an angle other than when we first started this show together, the three of us as a team, guaranteed lock if there was a new Marvel movie or a new Star Wars, new Marvel content, new Star Wars content, guaranteed next Pop Culture Tuesday, we were discussing it and breaking it down, right? Mm-hmm. Guaranteed, automatic. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I love Ahsoka, love the character from the Clone Wars. I like the way that they actually have portrayed her in The Mandalorian. She's been in there a couple of times, and she was also on the Boba Fett series. In the, in the episode of the Boba Fett series she was in was the highlight of the whole series, okay? So, it's a great character, great story. And I just, it's just not that important to me to see it. What's happened here? Have we gone beyond, you know, we used to say when I did sports talk radio, the worst place for a fan base to be was indifference and apathy. That you get to the point where you're, you're frustrated and ticked off at how bad the home team is, right? But then ultimately, if the organization or the university just doesn't seem serious about correcting that trajectory... Fans just reach a state of apathy, indifference. Since they don't think they can fix it, you know, kind of like we were saying about life on the right right now in the first hour, when you don't think there's any solution or any way out, you just, you know, take Bobby Knight's advice, you just lie back and enjoy it. It's inevitable. And there's nothing you can do. So you either just put up with it or you just tune out. But either way, you're not emotionally invested any longer. Is that what's happened here to these once two bulletproof all-time pop culture brands? Thoughts? It depends on the person. I think people have been let down enough times now that there's a proof of concept that there's, you know, there's, I don't know what percentage is the fanboy base. And then the I like quality content base. And so people seeing, uh, whether it's Star Wars or fantasy, it's no different than Mission Impossible to them. If it's good, they'll see it. But instead of automatically going out to seeing it, I think they'll. there's more and more people that will wait to see uh, what other people say. And more often than not, it's kind of a... A shrug of the shoulder you can save your money wait till it you know wait till it comes out for cheaper I, but I, I and I, I I would I would like to think that more and more people are also and I, I have no proof of this one or the other they are, are willing to get uncomfortable to the point that they at very least realize they kind of had their priorities out of whack and they had, the, to your point, and you're absolutely right, they had an emotional connection with something that, quite frankly, even at its best, it was undeserving of. 
that, that you've the, the number of young men that who have rallied around fiction as the most important thing in their life is a bit unsettling. And again, I mean that even under the best of days, it was never deserving of that. And because you gave it so much of your energy, that's part of the reason why we're here. So I don't know, but it isn't it probably the, f the most likely thing is it's just been a lot of bad content. I mean, that's just the uh, Occam's razor of it all, isn't it? Ultimately, yeah. I mean, what you can you can insult people's sensibilities. If the to well, you can insult a certain amount of people's sensibilities if the content is compelling. There will always be a remnant of people that if you insult their sensibilities, they will tap out, no matter how compelling your content is. Okay, but that's on a sliding scale depending on the individual. Fair. But what you can't do is insult people's sensibilities with content that they don't find compelling or so consistently insult their sensibilities that they don't even bother to find out later on if your content is compelling. For example, Disney claimed originally a week ago um, when that the first episode of Ahsoka had 14 million views worldwide. Now, that sounds like a pretty big number, but worldwide, given Disney's, Disney's brand, that's not that big, actually. Okay. However, further data that's come out just in the last couple of days indicates that only about 1.2 million households have actually actually watched it. 1.2 million, which would be about 40% lower than who watched the book of Boba Fett, which is like 1.9 million. So we're not even really even sure because we don't have like an Arbitron or a Nielsen to tell us publicly what streaming numbers are taken from a movie producer. Now that we're in the streaming phase of things, that's very frustrating. Even companies like Amazon and Apple are very loath to share proprietary information with you because it, there's a perception, as Aaron said last segment, the narrative rules. There's a perception that these are the greatest websites on earth. And so everybody's on them. So by, by sharing actual numbers, they could only hurt that perception. Even if the numbers are great, it would, be, it would always turn out to be below what everybody's perception is. So they don't share any numbers. We don't, it's, it's hard to get numbers even from these entities when you're the one placing content on there like I am right now, or our team is. So, um, but 1.2 million households is not a big number at all. To put that in perspective, that's a that's about 1.2 million people is probably about how many people have seen Nefarious either in a theater, DVD, or streaming, according to our calculations. It's about that number. And that's the amount of households that this site claims actually watched the first two episodes of Ahsoka. So you go to a church, a new church, for the first time, and the, the preacher... <laughs> for the message, preaches fire and brimstone. You think, this is, this is a good, I'm, I'm, I'm convicted, I need that, I'm going to come back next week. He preaches fire and brimstone. I'm convicted again, I'm convicted again, this guy seems like he's onto something. The next week, fire and brimstone. Next week, fire and brimstone. Next week, fire and brimstone. And you start to wonder what, um, is there any other part of this like are, are we missing something here what what's what's the end goal here what what are what are we actually doing here fire and brimstone 
That's good. It's good to convict. Is that the only part of the Christian walk? No, it's not. So I, I don't mean to make a, an analogy between the Christian walk and Star Wars. No, that's not what I'm trying to do here. But when you come out like every six months with new content from this once venerable franchise, you start to wonder, and this is my knock on, uh, on Andor, although I, I remembered later Andor, Cassian Andor, was actually a character in Rogue One. And so it did make a little bit more sense. But even with Andor, I thought it was a great series, but I'm like, I'm not really sure what it's about. Not really sure, but it, again, it made more sense after rewatching Rogue One. I think Todd's point about the content, it's just kind of a one-trick pony. We're not really tr telling any vast, grand stories anymore with this franchise. Not to my knowledge, anyway. We're just telling stories for the sake of telling stories. And varying degrees, they aren't really great or compelling stories. And so, like with Andor, I wasn't like, you know, licking my chops, chomping at the bit to watch that when it came out. I only watched it after I got a recommendation from a few other people. I think that's really just where we are. So, in Disney's push to market a franchise they paid a lot of money for, and to make some money off of that and return on investment... They've diluted this thing down really, really badly. I think that's Occam's Razor, which we don't use that much anymore, but Occam's Razor tells me that's kind of what's going on. Agree or disagree? What do you think, Todd? Yeah, I agree. I, I also just Because that would almost indicate then an, unsal an unsalvageable brand. Like well, the kind of thing where you have to stop making content stop. for like several yep. years yep. to build up a critical mass and a demand and then hit and then start they all over stop. again, essentially. They have to stop. Well, look at George Lucas himself would agree on, at some level, if he's honest with Aaron. I mean, that guy had a large, such a large tale to tell that he realized that if I was going to get this off the ground, I had to break it down. I mean, he at least, he had the prequels in his mind and he had the original trilogy. That's six movies right there. And he mm -hmm. had to just tell one sixth of it just to get it off the ground. So um, I think he'd also, he would tell, he, he'd tell you that this was about uh, telling stories to children. And now you have, when do you, when, when's the last time you had kids? I mean, it's grownups debating this now. Mm -hmm. It's our generation. It is, it's nostalgia. And you've so the, talked otherwise the young people have just basically moved on I, is what I, you're saying. Yeah, do kids watch this? Do they care? Did they ever care? And what do they care about now? I mean, you're you're this is I mean, this is a, like an IBM level of conversation. Like a you know what I'm trying mm -hmm. to say? Like if you were of a certain generation, the idea that there would come a time that IBM was an obsolete entity, Sears Roebuck was an obsolete right. entity, would just be a foreign concept to you. And yet we live in those times, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and well, what I hear you saying in, as, a, as an addendum to what Aaron pointed out is th the decline of these things is a big deal to our era and generation. But is it our era and generation discussing things and the young people have just largely moved on? They're not really even discussing it at all. They've already they've already they've already gone ahead and contemplated an era without any more Marvel or Star Wars content. And they're good with it. We're the well, ones that are the, debating that. Both of those entities, what are they, what are their guts ultimately about in very stark terms? They, they're, they're, it is good versus evil. That's what makes the heart sore. And since good is 
is diminished, is tarnished, and evil is polished up to make it seem like it's sympathetic. Where you can, yeah, I guess I can see why someone would do those things. Those lines are not clearly drawn, and so once you do that, your storytelling will suffer as a result, right? Aaron, sounds like you agree with that? Yep. Yeah, there's also somebody who just tweeted at us, sorry, as I bring up the tweet here. Uh, Hee-haw, the Viking... The ever since Rogue One, the writing has followed the same formula: emotionless woman on a quest to find an arbitrary thing to get the next, and so on. Just content, no story. That's probably just content, no story. What's Nerd Roddick call the MCU? The the M- MCU. MCU. Yeah. Yes, that's just about chicks now. That's just the MCU. That, that that's it. That's all it's about now. You know, Daredevil is one of the best television series I've ever seen. Not just superhero, best I've ever seen. One of the best. And they put him in one episode of She-Hulk and, you know, have him do the walk of shame from sleeping with her. That's what they reduced that male character to. One of the most compelling male characters that I've seen on television in the last 20 years. John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.